There was a wonderful quote that my mother taped to the refrigerator growing up. Sometimes success comes overnight, but more often it is the prize earned by stubborn commitment and a defiant refusal to settle for less. And I thought that was a pretty good quote. And I found out later it came from like People magazine or somewhere. But it is. It's a great quote. And I, I would say that if you want to do something, you should try to do it. But understand that doing it well will more often than not require much more work than you think. And that work can be really hard. But if you can get through that and continue doing that hard work, the rewards are, are tremendous. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is none other than Michael Fisher from the YouTube channel, Mr. Mobile. If you've ever searched for a phone review or a tech review or a product in the technology space on YouTube, the chances are you may have seen one of Mr. Mobile's videos. I, for one, have been a fan of Mr. Mobile and Michael Fisher for several years now, so it was a real honor to interview him on this episode. We'll give you a brief warning. My son interrupted right at the very beginning of our podcast, so you're going to hear my son kind of intro everything Ryan, who's a little two-year-old, uh, it's actually kind of cute. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Hopefully you guys are hanging in there. If you haven't already left a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Player, it would really mean the world to us if you did so. There's a lot of new listeners to the show now with some of the incredible guests that we've had on. So thank you guys for being new listeners to the show. And if you want to help grow the show, if you're a fan of these episodes then please consider leaving a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Player. It actually helps with the algorithm and all that kind of boring, like mathematical iTunes podcast stuff. So if you haven't done that already, please leave a rating and review about the show. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in to my conversation with Michael Fisher. Hey, Ryan, say hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, he's got a voice a voice for radio there, Ryan. Say, Mr. Mobile. Mr. Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I got to record that as a drop. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here today with Michael Fisher, a.k.a. Mr. Mobile. Thank you, Mike, for being here today on the Golden Hour Podcast. Dave, I am very happy to be here. Thank you for putting up with my uh, closet that is a stand-in for a sound studio because it's 99 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit in New York City right now, and there's no AC in the studio, so I oh am my gosh. at home. <laughs> yeah. Wow! So you have a you guys have a, a studio in you know a nice apartment. I've actually gotten to know your apartment uh, fairly well over the last couple <laughs> of weeks because yeah. of uh, obviously the the lockdown and whatnot. But uh, so you're actually home right now in in the closet. <laughs> Uh, that is correct. Yes, sir. Yeah, my dad was just saying the same thing. He's like, I've never been in your apartment, but I feel like uh, I know every square foot of it now. I know I, I feel like I could draw the layout on a cocktail napkin. I'm like, yeah, you probably could. <laughs> you um, guys have a really eccentric, uh, cool kind of New York vibey apartment. It, it does look good on camera. So it's worked out. Man. Thank you. We really lucked out. So I live with, as people may not know, I live with um, my girlfriend and also David Amell of Android Authority. And uh, we, we didn't, you know, we moved in in October and so we certainly didn't plan for, nobody knew this, but this was coming. So when we realized that we were going to have to spend months in the apartment doing our jobs, we were immensely, immensely grateful to realize that we 
had a living room that was well suited for such things. So yeah, it's um, got kind of a uh, friend's we, vibe uh, to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you. I think their apartment is has much more um, cohesive design to it because a set designer designed their apartment. <laughs> but, <laughs> True. Uh, we've done what we can. <laughs> True. So for people who uh, may not be familiar with Michael Fisher, you've been around the block for a while now in the tech uh, and entertainment space. Um, can you kind of give us a synopsis of the last kind of decade of, of what you've been doing? Sure. Yeah. Um, most recently, the thing I'm doing now, the thing that has all of my time and energy and, and heart, really, is uh, Mr. Mobile, where you can find me talking about smartphones and wearables and electric cars, pretty much anything that, that falls under the mobile, the broader definition of mobile. And I've been doing that yeah. for about five years and wow. uh, or actually four years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, four or five years. And before that, I was writing about most of the same things, but a little bit more of a smartphone focus at a site called pocketnow.com, which is still around doing very well under the uh, under the uh, administration on the video side of Jaime Rivera. And that is where I really cut my teeth on tech YouTube. Mm. Um, before then, I had started a YouTube channel with my dad back in 2006, which was not tech related. So we sort of knew the ropes a little bit, but Pocket Now is where I really learned how to edit. Um, and how to bring this those YouTube skills to the tech space. So that's that's the rough outline of it. And uh, you know, as we're recording this, um, you're sitting at a comfortable 982,000 subs. Maybe by the time you listen to this, um, you, uh, Mr. Mobile will have surpassed the one million mark. Congratulations on uh, oh, man. such a Thank huge. You number just a million the number a million is just it's hard to fathom it's really incredible congratulations you know what's thanks man and and i'll be lying if i said it would i i wished uh i didn't wish i hit it earlier because you know i think within the first two years is what i wanted to hit that number and i you know i think a lot of people are absolutely right when you talk about the number isn't the thing you should be looking on you should be looking at the work and yeah um eventually the the hard work will pay off but uh, you know, this is a number that's frankly really important to me. I'm, I've been, I've been hurting for this number for a long time. So <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm really looking forward to the week off I'm taking immediately after we take over. To them. <laughs> yes, that's kind of fun about being a YouTuber. Is you can set these like these uh, goals or whatever, and it, you kind of have an excuse to go on a vacation, right? It's like, uh, yes, I'm going to take exactly. a break. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Right, oh, like, I'm celebrating oh. my million subscriber. It's like, huh? <laughs> but Yeah, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every conversation awesome. with my relatives, they're very supportive, but also nobody, as you were talking about with Renee Ritchie a few episodes back, Yeah, uh, it's hard to describe what we do sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. That's why I've just grown to love uh the podcast world and this this podcast for me has just been a great outlet to uh talk to other creators because in my real kind of normal life uh unfortunately well not unfortunately i think most normal people are probably have their head on straight unlike us um but it is it is nice to kind of just talk shop with other creators because it is such a interesting world to be a part of and um and I'm Definitely. so grateful for it. Um, so me too, man. Yeah, the the thing that I didn't want, and you're right. I think, you know, I think n- people who are more normal have some other things figured out. But there was, <laughs> yeah. I, I never wanted to. Uh, I think I was deeply affected by films like uh, American Beauty and Office Space in my mm. high school years. You know, before my brain was when my brain was still flexible and uh, impressionable, and uh, I grew up very much wanting to avoid a normal life. So I'm really glad that that uh, I've been lucky enough to to be able to see that through, you know? Well, I mean, tell me about that. Um, 
I also can relate to that. I was a magician, and then I played guitar, and then I was a filmmaker. Yeah. And, um, I know you have a background in in traditional filmmaking and acting. And uh, can you can you talk about that? Because that's maybe a side that a lot of people uh, aren't aware of. With your definitely. Yeah, well, I went to college um, with the intention of joining the Navy, actually. So that's why really? I ended up going to college in, in Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, because I was a big fan of the Navy, which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and um, you know, I I had been sort of, sort of bitten by the acting bug, as they say, immediately before leaving for college in high school, and I decided to study it when I got to college. It was a large pivot in my life, and for counting the college time for about ten to twelve years, I made a living partially or fully um, with acting on stage, not so much with the money thing on stage, but all the time just for the creative outlet. And then the uh, the commercials and voiceover work that that came alongside that sort of supported my theater habit. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, 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 the last show I did was 2015 in Boston after I'd relocated there. And I, it was, a, we were lucky enough to have a smash hit. We did a production of the Farnsworth Invention uh, about the creation of television. Mm. Um, and one of the nice things about theater is that it teaches you things. I didn't know or care about the invention of television until I had to play, <laughs> you know, the, the NBC chair who tried to steal it in this play. Yeah. And um, I miss that. I miss a lot about that world. But by then it was 2015. And as you know, man, um, it is very hard to do this as a hobby mm -hmm. uh, while simultaneously doing other things. And I mean the, the, the creating thing, whether it's podcast hosting or making YouTube videos or as, as you do, making award-winning TikToks. Um, you know, <laughs> it's may, like... May TikTok you, rest in peace. Oh, <laughs> uh, rip, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you, um, it, you, you kind of at, at some point I had to choose. Some people can do 18 yeah. things all their life and I wanted to, but I couldn't keep... Mm. I had to prioritize. So that's what that's how that ended up. I really resonate to that. I was a magician uh, from the time I was 14 God, cool. till my early 20s. And I was doing that full time yeah. while also shooting weddings and, and video. And I was actually uh, meeting with a manager and, and going to pursue, you know, kind of traveling and being a traveling magician. And I was yeah. on the road with another guy. I was opening up for him. He was performing in front of thousands of people that night. And he sat wow. me down. He was like, hey, Dave, let's go talk. I was like, OK. And he's like. I've been doing this for 20 years. I would be considered a successful, you know, illusionist. And let me just tell you, it's hard to make a living. And I think you'll make more money doing video. I think you should do video. And I was like, wow, wow. My mentor, the guy that's kind of taught me everything that really took me under his wing. He's telling me not to be a magician. And he kind of had that. Yeah. He said the same thing that you said, which is like, you can do, you're good at this. You're good at that. You're good at this. But you're never going to be great at something until you really hunker down and focus on something and just put all your energy and focus on that one thing. And that's how you become great. And uh, totally. I really, yes. I really resonated with that. And I think, um, you know, I think that's really key. So It is. And, you know, I think it, it is different for everyone. I will say that, you know, there are people sure. who have totally different stories, different experiences. But that was my case, too. Yeah, my. My grandfather, I think, was advising me right around 2012 when I was juggling six balls at once, two YouTube <laughs> channels and writing and acting and all this stuff. And he's like, well, you know, you don't want to be a, what is it, a jack of all trades and a master of none. You know, my grandfather <laughs> doesn't talk like that, but that was my grandfather's voice. <laughs> he's got that and, good, like, uh, <laughs> that 20s uh, radio voice, that 40s radio yeah, voice. <laughs> right. Look here, see. Look here, see. Let me buy a hamburger sandwich and tell you what's what, boy. <laughs> no, it's like... <laughs> 
but but you know, I I kind of chafed at that. I was just like, oh man, no, let me let me cobble together my life out of several different things because I find it fun. But I did. Yeah. I was running myself ragged. I couldn't even do it for a year. I was like, God, I've got to start focusing here, and and <laughs> I'm really glad that I was able to do that. So do you, yeah. do you still find yourself like sure that's your, the logical side of of you as a creative, but do you find yourself still trying to find ways to experiment and try tons of different things just because that's kind of how you're wired like is do you at a certain point have to just accept the fact that you know you might want to play with different things and you know go outside of the box that you're in or whatever do you ever face yeah, that i i do think about that a bit it's it's so busy i think mean, everybody says that you know get a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life and it's it's an interesting quote. Um, it's sometimes right. It's sometimes wrong. But <laughs> my, my job really is my hobby, right? Like I, I've always said that if I wasn't – even when I was writing about this stuff at Pocket Now, it was like if I wasn't doing this for money, um, then I would be doing it for free. I would be right, hanging out on online forums like Howard Forums 15 years ago or Reddit today and I would just be talking tech all day anyway. So yeah. in many ways, I'm um, – you know, I, I don't – I don't have as much motivation to say like, oh God, I got to do something different. I'm so burned out because I love this stuff and I always have. So, it, it, you know, that curtails that impulse sometimes, but sometimes I do. I'll be walking down the street and I'm like, you know, uh, I've reviewed eight smartphones in the last 15 minutes. Let me take a break from that. It would be cool to maybe have a Star Trek podcast, you know, or <laughs> yeah. my brain will, will take a little wandering there. And I do miss podcasting. I envy you for being able to, to make it part of your rotation. I'd like to do it again someday, but um yeah, it's it, but it is rare because I love love my job so much. Please don't envy me. I'm the I'm the least enviable <laughs> person in the world. <laughs> no, well, I mean, <laughs> you've had a run of bad luck recently, but I'm going to tell you, there's some there's some great stuff you got going for you. <laughs> Thanks, sir. I uh, appreciate that. Um, let me just kind of uh, fanboy a little bit. I've been a fan of yours, man, for several years, even before I started YouTube. Um, one of the things that really oh stands God. out to me about your style that really resonates with me is um, the storytelling aspect of the way that you create. And if, if anybody is just not Thank familiar you. with Michael, please do yourself a favor, go subscribe, get him to a million, go watch, uh, just seriously, just go look at like the last five videos or look up, you know, something that you're interested in. And I guarantee you he's talked about a phone or a piece of technology that you're probably interested in. So go watch it. And the way that you're able to Thank you, talk about technology as almost like a filmmaker would, you're you have a, a, a act one, act two, act three story structure built into your reviews. It's unbelievable, and the amount of work that you put into it must be insane. Um, you clearly are writing is, yeah. these out. You know, um, yep. a lot of it's driven by voiceover, so that is a nice way to to do it quickly because you don't have to worry about nailing it. You know, on camera in one take, you can shoot a bunch of really beautiful B-roll and kind of tell your story through a narrative with a voiceover. And that's a nice way to, to do it uh, with the speed that yeah. you're doing it at. But tell me about just the process of how you, you discovered this style. And there's, you know, people that might imitate that or whatever, but I think the way that you do it is so unique to Mr. Mobile. And uh, it's one of the things that made me a fan of yours, even before we ever met or, you know, are sitting down right now with this. Like this was years ago before I even did YouTube. So, yeah. Well, thanks man. I, I, I appreciate it because it wasn't the, um, it, it, that style came about through ignorance of what worked on YouTube. And then, <laughs> uh, after the ignorance, uh, a willful, uh, 
disregard for how I should be making the channel. Because um, just a little background: when we started, Mr. Mobile, you know, I'm not a I'm not an independent YouTuber. I do have I control the channel, and I'm I'm the one behind 95% of what happens on all the social feeds as Mr. Mobile. But um, this channel was started with the help of some really smart folks who, uh, mm-hmm. among them, you know, Kevin Mitchell, uh, AKA Crackberry Kevin, <laughs> RIP <laughs> Crackberry Kevin, but Kevin's still very much alive. And uh, Marcus Adolfson, who was mentioned uh, before, and a bunch of people at former Mobile Nations, which has since been bought by Future. And when we kicked off Mr. Mobile, you know, I needed their guidance because my background is not, I, I don't know how to make YouTube channels from scratch in a way that's strategically sound. I just know how to do what I like to do or write about what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, listen, the, the only reason, you know, we can, we have to come up with a name for this thing. And we went through 50,000 names and I kind of was <laughs> hewing more to the like, you know, well, we should name it like a publication because I want it to be like a, a legit publication. They're like, listen, you don't start a YouTube channel so you can have another publication brand on it. That doesn't really work. You start a YouTube channel so that you can build it around one person who hopefully the audience will want to hang out with. That's the idea. That's the YouTube thing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you guys are smarter than I am, so let's do that. And we <laughs> did it. But I was like vehemently opposed to this thing of like, hi, hey guys, welcome back to another video. I'm going to talk to the camera for two minutes. Um, it works uh-huh. for a lot of people. I just was like, you know, people are showing up to a video called Galaxy S20 Review. I kind of think we should spend 85% of the time looking at the Galaxy S20 with the camera lens. We shouldn't just have my face, John, and John. Andre. And then as a result of scripting everything ahead of time, I'm able to, there are many phases in the production process where I can fact check myself, yeah. change my mind, acquire new information. So it gives me a lot of time to make sure the script is what I'm actually trying to say mm-hmm. when I hit publish. Whereas, uh, you know, on the on the on the fly, the videos we used to do years and years ago, I, w- I would hit publish and I'd be like, well, <laughs> there are six things wrong in this video, but we're out of time, so run it. <laughs> we'll fix it in the comments. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. And um, people do still connect with you because after so many videos of hearing your voice and, and obviously, you know, seeing the channel, they start to, to become attached to Michael Fisher too. And yeah. I think it's a win-win because you can win them over with just the quality content with talking about the product, but then you know, once you start diving deeper and, um, you know, you've, you've been doing these great, uh, when these, when phones were fun series, which is not like hmm. in terms of the search algorithm, like that hasn't, that's not a strategy to like win people over with a search. Cause nobody's searching for the matrix phone, no. but, right. <laughs> but people who are subscribers see it, love it, share it. You know, it gets, like these blogs and websites are so bored of posting the same articles all the time. So it's interesting content for uh, the tech world to just be like, Hey, this is a great piece of art. This is a really entertaining piece. And remember this phone, this was fun, you know, and I'm actually looking at your, your views and your video. Uh, Like some of your top performing videos have been these uh, when phones were fun. And that's kind of crazy because you've only started that series in the last year or so. Is that right? Oh, it's like two months old. It's a brand new series. So and uh, you've got yeah. literally, let's see, you got one, two, three, three that are over a mil on those, which is crazy. Yeah. And then, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're onto something there. You got a series right there, man. <laughs> good, good job. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. And I have to give credit for it, though, because look, 
throwback reviews are not a new format. Retro reviews are not a new format. You know, I was doing them in 2011 at Pocket Now. Like that was one of my favorite things to do. The thing is, I just never, I've done them as Mr. Mobile too, but I've never packaged them. Mm-hmm. And I spent um, one of the great things, one of the only great things about lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, has been um, you, we're all sort of forced to consume more content because we have more time in our hands. And I started just binge watching videos from a guy named LGR, uh, Lazy Game Reviews. And he has a, uh, he basically exclusively reviews stuff that computer hardware that's like 30 years old. <laughs> and he's able to weave such a compelling story out of out of it while also educating you uh, about the background of these companies that no longer exist and it really deeply affected me uh, i would just watch these for days and days on end and i don't watch youtube man when yeah. i'm done making a youtube video i just i'm really bad i'm i'm not a good member of the community in that way cuz i just don't watch it but <laughs> i couldn't help but watch lgr's videos and it i was in the shower and i was like wait a minute wind phones were fun that's that's a great title and yeah. if I'm able to do this in the doldrums when we're not getting any new product and all the companies are still shut down because of COVID and I can nostalgia is like my favorite thing in the world. I basically exist in the past at all times <laughs> and I can marry that with an LGR kind of style and this kind of packaging and just order a bunch of old phones on eBay. And the, the fact that the audience showed up, dude, I, I'm so thankful because that matrix phone cost a thousand dollars. Well, it was well worth it. I mean, 1.4 yeah. million views and then that spurred off this whole series, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so, so happy. Like it's my new favorite thing and I, I'm going to do it for as long as I possibly can. I have enough content right now. I have enough phones in the backlog right now to do it for 20 more weeks and I can <laughs> do it for way longer. I'm just buying new phones all the time and they're not as expensive as the matrix phone. So that's great. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking it's really is kind of that Marquez. He did the uh, he has the YouTube original thing. Uh, yeah, with, the re- retro tech. Retro. I was a guest on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, which which uh, um, episode were you guest on? The uh, Motorola Dynatac one. That was oh, cool. fun. I got we we sort of did a trade. I got to hold the Dynatac, and I, I brought a suitcase phone for him to hold, which is like thirty pounds. So that was, <laughs> that was a fun. Thing. He's uh. But yeah. He's, He's right up there with you, like one of the nicest tech review guys like in the world. I've only met, had the pleasure of meeting him uh, at CES, just in kind of in really quick scenarios. But he just seems like a great guy. So he really is. I I absolutely love talking to Marquez every time that we do get to hang, which is not often. And uh, yeah, he's he's the real thing, man. There's I, yeah, I've no, not found a single thing wrong with him. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like. Uh, He's got so many subscribers. He's kind of become his own news outlet in a way, and it's kind of like yeah, nobody nobody would be more deserving, right? Like he's just such a quality person, and you know yeah, I'm glad that's that the nice thing, you know. I'm glad that, I'm glad yeah, that you, he's the one that that got it right, you know. Me too. That that's exactly right. Like so you you get so used to not even in tech, just celebrities, right? It was just like oh, you get so bummed out when you hear that the celebrity you've been watching for twenty years is like oh, they're kind of a jerk, or you know, wow, they're a criminal. They should be in jail. So it's <laughs> it's nice to have the the opposite of that, where it's like oh, this guy who's done really well for himself is actually like one of the greatest people. So yeah, props to him. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Folding phones as well. You've you've kind of become that guy as yeah. well, just because it, it's such. It really is such an exciting uh, thing that's happening in the tech world. And uh, your number three performing video is the Huawei Mate X uh, folding phone. All right. You've kind of done a series with that as well. So you've really been yeah. able to latch onto these like little sub series inside of your channel, which is really a brilliant way to work. Is, was that intentional to have 
like these these series that are yeah. kind of going on in the background? It definitely was, man. And I'll tell you why. There was a direct reason for that. And it's what a lot of YouTubers talk about. And it's a real thing, man, is burnout. Um, when <laughs> yeah. you're doing product videos that are, when you're getting access, early access from companies and you need to have your video live at the embargo lift time, not because they dictate it, but because if you don't, you're not in the combination, you're not in the uh, conversation, right? So you, you've got to be essentially you're hewing to someone else's schedule all the time if you're if you're doing it the way a lot of us do it, and it's exhausting. It really uh, is, yeah. particularly <laughs> when you know October rolls around, right? And you're like, wow, there are ten things I have to cover in the next eleven days, and I can't even do that if I tried. So you have to, and it sucks. So I was like, yeah, all right. Well, when phones were fun, that's one leg of the stool, and. Foldable phones are the only modern phones I'm truly excited by. And I do mean that. I mean, I've, I've gotten quite bored of everything else. So, boy, <laughs> but I'm so excited about foldables. So, okay, that'll be another series where I talk about folding phones at least once a month. And then what's the other one? Well, here comes quarantine again with another great opportunity alongside all the ho truly horrible stuff. Um, the, Mr. Mobile stays home. Here's stuff I don't ordinarily cover. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I do that one and... Just starting those series, man, if you're a creator and you're able to do anything that gives you control over your schedule again, where mm -hmm. if you miss a release or you miss a deadline or something like that, it's not the end of the world. You're like, you know what? Not in that conversation about the OnePlus 11-teen, but um, I'm going to have a great... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a great video out about you know the the smart home stuff I use and people are gonna show up for it because they 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 like that series. That's the way to do it. I think it's really worked out well for me, and I I advocate it for anyone who's feeling a little uh, stressed out by by keeping up with other people's schedules. Can we talk about that kind of NDA world? It's something that I think is so fascinating, and I think as sure uh, the whole YouTube uh, review cycle thing has gotten bigger and bigger and more normal for these companies it's really turned into this rat race that is extremely exhausting and obviously at least for me in the camera review world everybody that i know that's in that space is my friend and it's not i don't feel yeah. like i'm i don't i don't feel like i'm competing against them to get my video out before theirs or get more views than them or whatever it's just like it's kind of like we're all just a part of the same conversation and everybody yes. has their own take on it but very much so you know it's it's so tiring and exhausting and I, I don't know is it even like is it sustainable like i'm i don't see myself doing this when i'm in my 60s you know <laughs> like, it's so exhausting <laughs> right. and usually they just give it to you and then you got maybe 24 hours maybe if you're lucky you can get a week in advance you know uh, yeah. Mark Marquez has kind of a meme of like, so I've had this for three months, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, right. you know, that whole kind of thing, the NDA giving you stuff in advance and then everybody having a, an embargo. Um, what do you have to say about that? It's changed a lot over the years. And I think in a lot of ways, the audience may be a little jaded towards it. I know I have become a little like, eh, I don't really want to watch any of these right now because there's a thousand of them right. filling up my home feed on my YouTube uh, app. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Your inbox just gets blasted and you're like, ah, yeah, it's, I, I didn't care that much about the Galaxy S10. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not new for me because the, in the writing world and in the, in the, in the world of like 2011, 2012, this was 
Uh-huh. That that's when this was new for me, right? So I, it's just it's just part of doing business. As a matter of fact, though, I did feel really great. That is when I felt like I had made it. Um, AT and T sent me an HTC One X. It was 2012, and had this embargo agreement on the on the box. Uh-huh. And I was so um, I was so amped about being a part of this world, you know, that I had followed for ten years. That I kind of kept the embargo notice. It, I still have it. Like nice. I was like, oh, it's my first, it's my first like access. Awesome. Oh, isn't that fun? Yeah. That's so cool. Um, but so it's not new to me. It's not. It, it is new to YouTube because YouTube is increasingly now seen as a legitimate destination for reviews, which is nice because it's not just a bunch of people doing doing paid content on the influencer marketing side, which is a totally different thing. Um, but the, the NDA thing has its downsides. You do get people who are not just burned out because their inbox is exploding all the time. You have people saying, "Well, if you're worried about if you if if you're getting this f- from a company." First of all, are you getting a free phone? Because then you're biased. It's like, no, they, they're not legally allowed to give them to us, guys. They, we have to yeah. give them back at some point. And even if we don't, they never, they don't belong to us. Um, but also, like, you know, aren't you worried about losing your access if you say something mean? And that's the question I get asked most often. And I'm like, A, this is a question that gets asked all the time about access journalism. See also <laughs> White House press corps. I mean, if you aren't you worried sure. about pissing off the president and getting kicked out of the White House? It's like, okay, that doesn't that didn't really happen. Now it kind of <laughs> happens, and that's a pain. But <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Um, it, but it doesn't happen at our scale in, in the YouTube space at all that I've seen. Except, mm. did you see this thing recently on Twitter with this MSI thing? No, I haven't. What do you? What are you referring to? I, I lent, um, there was a, a smaller reviewer and I, forgive me, he may be, I, he's moderate sized. I, I don't know exactly how big he was, but he's from the UK and he has an established channel and he was saying something bad about a, a MSI laptop. See also reviewing it and saying, hey, these things need to be improved. And I'm going to use the word disappointing in my headline. And MSI put, MSI put a ton of pressure on him or MSI's PR agency, at least one of them, uh-huh. put a lot of pressure on him to change the headline. They tried to get AMD to, to chase him down and change the head. You know, like they were really annoyed about this, what they perceived to be negative coverage. And it really, I couldn't believe it because I have not seen that before. And then a bunch of other people came out of the woodwork and say, yeah, we've gotten we've gotten pressure from manufacturers to change our, our content. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that happened. Um, <laughs> so I'm really thankful that I didn't, that that has not happened to me. But um, these that, are all these are all things that float around people's head when you talk about NDAs and embargoes. Go ahead, sir. Is that something that uh, because uh, you're a leg in, you know, Mr. Mobile, you, like, is there are there people blocking you from that those types of emails and concerns, or is it just because you kind of have your ethics more upfront and you think people uh, kind of respect that the companies and stuff? Yeah, it's the latter. Like, I'm I'm annoyingly vocal about my <laughs> how I handle the the business because YouTube is um YouTube and Instagram the entire social sphere even written content in some ways there's a mix out there there is content that that is bought and paid for which should be advertised with a with a disclosure and there's nothing wrong with it as long as you disclose um and then there's kind of the more like journalistic type like no we're I'm going to cover this objectively and we're not going to accept money for the reviews and all that kind of stuff. So I, it became important to me to start to draw a distinction a couple of years ago where it's like, Hey guys, I know you're concerned about access journalism and I know you're worried about, am I really going to say something bad about a Samsung phone? And cause I'm worried that they might not send me the next one. Okay. It, it's a good <laughs> concern. Thank you. 
But also what you should really be looking at is people who are posting the content that is paid for, but they're not disclosing it because that does happen and it happens too often. Yeah. Um, and, and it's disgusting. And I, I that I, I'd never want to be lumped in with those people. So I, uh, <laughs> I make it a point to avoid that. As I yeah. say, disclosing is where the line is. Like if you're being truthful with your audience, I have no problem with you. Do whatever you want. But if you're not disclosing it, if you're kind of like sneaking under the fence and saying, well, this is an ad, but you know, I'm going to call it a review and I'm, I'm going to get paid for that review directly by the company I'm reviewing. Well, it's it, that is anathema to what a review should be. And it's Absolutely. dishonest and stupid. Yeah, I, I would go more into this, but I will just refer anyone who wants to hear more about your thoughts on this in, in, uh, in extreme detail to the Marquez uh, podcast. Um, uh, Wait yeah. You had a great conversation with uh, Marquez about all of this. You went into really good detail on the Waveform po- podcast. So I'll go ahead and link uh, a, a link to that episode uh, in the show notes of this podcast because um, I think that's one of the things that I really respect about you and um, every single video that you, Thanks, you do a review on, you make sure that that's clear and upfront. You've got a great spot on your website now that that really explains your ethics um it's inspired me i think it's inspired a lot of other reviewers to really kind of think about uh their ethics as well and it's super important and i i love you know everything that you've done there and so everybody go listen to that waveform episode if you want to hear more because you had a great conversation to, to close out on that, just so I can, I, I don't like to sound sanctimonious. And I don't, I don't want to be perceived as preaching to other people how they should make their, like, look, <laughs> sure. you, you got to put food on the table and you got to support your families. You, you, everyone needs to make their own decisions. My only thing, the only th- time that I get annoyed is when the audience is being misled. And that, that's it. That's the, that's, that's the, if you want to skip the Marquez podcast, that, that is uh, the only <laughs> thing that I, that is the thing that I'm all about, but don't skip it. It's a great episode and it's lovely. Thank you. I'm sorry for talking so long about that. No, like not at all. One thing that stood out to me just when we just began our podcast is you you referenced your dad, you talked about your grandfather. It seems like you got some great roots, and I can see maybe maybe through the your upbringing that's why you have such great ethics. I mean, can you speak to oh, just the way that you were brought up and and your dad and stuff? I mean, it sounds like you guys are pretty close. Definitely, we are. Yeah, I'm fortunate enough to have two really great parents actually like four parental figures <laughs> and um yeah my family's really great um I, I i'm gonna say this first yes there there is that i guess in my background as a person i don't know i've done wrong things in my life i've made the wrong decision i've screwed people over i've done bad things like we all have i think i've done i've been very selfish at points in my life too the thing is this though man i don't if if mr mobile was independent. If in 2016, I literally left pocket now and started something from the ground up with no backing from a publisher, no help from anyone else. I don't know that I'd be, I know that I wouldn't be in the same situation. I would have to be doing full length sponsored videos. I would still be honest about it, but it would be a very different thing. And I wouldn't be able to, to be as rigid with this ethics thing because I've been given the space to do it. I've been uh, I've I've been very lucky in in having the protection of a publisher over me, right? So that's that's yeah. what has allowed me to sort of follow that um, north star of a of a I, I don't know of, <laughs> of an ethical focus, you know. Um, sure. But yeah, as far as its origins, I don't know. You know, it's it's weird. I don't like to. I've never been asked that before. It's like, how are you? How do you make the right decisions? I'm like, I don't a lot of the time, you know. <laughs> 
Because the tricky thing is to tell me if you've run into this, because it's tough. Like, we'll be in a situation where um, we'll, we will need to go to a, a launch event for a product back in the days mm-hmm. when we used to do that. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing in me is like, we've always said we will accept travel and lodging from companies because otherwise we can't afford to do this. Like, that's a massive expense that we have to put on manufacturers. But, you know, well, what kind of hotel are they putting us at? Well, it's not, it's a nice hotel. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's good. I got to disclose that. Uh, what class of travel do they accommodate you in? Well, you know, uh, I wanted, I was like, I was going to be fine with comfort plus, but then I found that you were paying five people to not only give you paid coverage, but also you were putting them in first class. Well, I'm not going to handle that. So I talked to my other reporter friends and we're like, listen, if you're flying these influencers first class, you got to, there's, we're not coming unless you match that. So there's all these layers of it, man. It's, (laughs) it's so every layer of it is complicated. And that's why I was like, Mm -hmm. here's this ethics statement. It's long and it's dry, but here's everything I'm thinking. Ask me (laughs) questions on Twitter. (laughs) I love that. You, I think you might put more thought into all that than most people, for sure. But it's oh all for God, good yeah. reason. It's I all know. for good reason. And and I bet it's you still because... you still get the comments though that everybody else gets though. I'm sure. Like you're Absolutely. still you're just a shell. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. How much did Apple pay you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know that that's unavoidable, right? We're always going to get oh that. You know, there's a of all companies. My dad and I are... Apple does nothing. Let, let's just be clear <laughs> yeah, exactly. on that. Of all companies, like what? <laughs> they do not need anything. They don't need a single review to be done at all, and they'll be fine. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I learned that very early in the YouTube space, though. My dad and I did, because, you know, our 2006, 2007 videos were like 15-second clips of a plastic model Titanic sinking. Nice. Um, <laughs> and even after we made a video explaining how we got it back after every sinking, which was a very simple thing, um, we made a whole video about it and we put it in the description, put it in the comments. It didn't matter. Every single day, the most often asked thing was, did you get it back? How'd you get it back? So, you know, that when, you, when you're like talking to an audience of this size, you know, some things you're just going to have to say every day. And that's just a uh, cost of doing business, right? Uh, everybody who wants to go see what we're talking about, go over to Rapid Nadion. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow you're the only one who ever pronounced that made-up name correctly yes sir uh i'll link that in the show notes as well um there are some fun uh rc aircraft carriers and like yeah. really amazing stuff wow i did not know this yeah about your dad i mean well i didn't know that you did this yeah at all dad builds them and i film them but that's so yep, cool that's, does he uh, live that's nearby my YouTube background yeah, we. So I live in New York City, and my, I grew up uh, out in the country, about two hours away. So I, yeah, Dad's nice. pretty close, and so is my mom for the moment, and it's good. It's nice to be able to visit them when, when we uh, want to hang out in the backyard, six feet apart. Hundred and twenty-three thousand <laughs> subs. That's kind of amazing that he's built that. That's so cool. Oh, on Rapidnadion, yeah. It's uh, it's been really great. We just crossed over our. Oh, we just had a, a some some kind of ten million view metric or something. I forgot what it was, but it's no way more than that. Um, it, yeah, that <laughs> that was just quite an unusual thing. Do you remember your first like big hit on yeah. YouTube or what or, or TikTok? Like, what do you remember that feeling? <laughs> I got a staff pick like, what on was Vimeo it? back when Vimeo was a thing, and that changed oh, my yeah. life. Do you remember staff picks and Vimeo? <laughs> I did. I was only dimly aware of staff picks, but of course I used video, Vimeo a lot back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, what so was it? A staff pick was kind of like getting on the trending tab on YouTube in a way. Um, they, okay. they really kind of fostered this filmmaking audience on Vimeo. So 
the staff pick yeah. was kind of like winning a Sundance award or something. And they, they would like, <sighs> they would in the, in the website, they would embed this award that you won staff pick, like on the thumbnail. So even if you didn't put it on the thumbnail, it would just appear on the thumbnail. And the only way you could get that is if you actually received the staff pick. So it really was like oh, winning cool. an award. And yeah, I, I, I got the staff pick and a couple months later, I started getting phone calls from producers and directors and it really kind of, I got a call <laughs> from London. I was only 19 when it happened and I got a call from London and they were like, Hey, we, uh, we're, we're doing an ad with Google. Uh, we got a half a million dollar budget. We were referencing your video in the treatments and we just figured we'd reach out to you and see if you would be interested in, in doing the commercial. And I was like, uh, uh. what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, I've never directed anything in my life. This was sort of a fluke. And uh, anyways, the producer kind of walked me through it. I ended up making my first treatment ever for that. Um, wow. And it was me against five other directors. And they said that it came down to me and another guy who they've worked with who has 30 years of experience. And they went with him. But the producer kind of oh, told me. Oh, but you me, were in that last round? Yeah. Like, the, that's that's incredible that's, up against that kind of experience? That's what the producer told me. He's like, just so you know, like, it was a hard decision for us, and we just had to kind of go with our gut with, like, you know, it's the the more realistic route to take. Uh, sure. And the practical route to take. But, you know, hopefully this will encourage you or whatever. And then from that moment on, I was like, I'm a director. And so I started. Yes. <laughs> I, I rebranded everything. And, uh, that really helped me in Nashville. I was a, you know, music video director, did a bunch of commercial work and stuff after that. And it really gave me the confidence to, to, you know, go after it. Um, which right. I That's the had. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing how that compounds, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I think the same is true of success and failure. You know, if you get one, if you get one really devastating hit, I mean, that can put you in a tailspin for a while and hopefully you don't give up. Cause if you do get the, when you, when you do hit that success, that whatever that is, big or small, that one time thing, mm-hmm. you just have this amazing reservoir of confidence on the, on the tail of it when yeah. you go into your next thing. Cause you're like, Hey, I did one thing right. And that's pretty cool. Maybe this will turn out right as well. Instead of walking in the door and going, oh, God, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Well, I still feel that way all the time. But <laughs> Oh, <laughs> totally. yeah. Imposter syndrome is a B. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Exactly. Um, so I assume that, I mean, obviously, I would imagine this is a comment you get all the time. Your voice. It's so great. You have such a great talking voice. You have such a great performance oh, thanks, uh, with your voice. Was there any like official radio training or anything like that with the way that you communicate or is that just from <laughs> acting and, and you know, you just happen to be born with it or what? I'll tell you what, man, I, I, this is, this is a fun story to tell that I haven't told very often. Cause it's again, another instance of being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. We were talking about all in the timing and on the pre-show and, yeah. um, I was in college, I was studying acting voiceover of course has long been a nice um, side job or full-time job for, for actors who can succeed at it and are, and are very talented. Mm. I was not very talented and I was, cause I was an acting student and I was still learning, but it's 2006 and I see a Craigslist ad. I need a job. I see a Craigslist ad under creatives for voiceover talent needed for books on tape project in Williamsburg, Virginia, right down the road from where I lived at the time in Norfolk. Uh, so I drove in the morning. It was a beautiful August morning in Williamsburg, very hot. I sat in a Starbucks and I literally auditioned at a Starbucks table, um, with one of the only people working at this startup that was doing books on tape for law students. It was called audio case files and they hired me. (laughs) 
And we did, I think they paid me like $6 a case or something like that. And uh-huh. I would commute for the next two or three years uh, during college. It was a great side gig. I got to just kind of get into the habit of what is what is recording long form audio? How do you work with these with this format? And then right as I graduated college, dude, they got acquired by a company up in Boston. They said, would you like to move to Boston and do this full time and act uh, in your off time? And I said, yes, I would. Wow. And it that that's that's what I did. So I ended up doing that job for six years. Oh my gosh, um, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, all thanks to literally going to a Starbucks one morning in the summer <laughs> in Williamsburg and saying yes, I will work for you know essentially twelve dollars an hour just because I need the experience. It was yeah. uh, a very lucky turn, but I'm very glad I showed up for it. And I that a lot of that uh, is what factors into my current, I guess, of course, aptitude for voiceover. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I think I again I relate to you because I was a performer as well as a magician i was on stage performing yeah. and uh you know as a magician you're an actor playing the part of a magician because surprise there's no such thing as magic um <laughs> oh hey 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 now hey <laughs> come uh, on <laughs> and uh so yeah i really learned how to you know how to perform and uh that's why i i love what you do because it really is uh I, I there's some there's conflicting thoughts on this i mean when you watch Marquez, he really is just being himself. When I watch uh, Caleb Pike on DSLR Video Show, he's being himself. And you're being yourself, I'm being myself. But when I'm on camera, I definitely turn on something. I could be having a bad oh, yeah. day, and then, you know, I have to pretend like I'm not having a bad day. That's called acting. <laughs> so, right. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, how do you, yeah. do you approach well, your YouTube I... videos as an actor, right? I mean, in a way. Definitely. Right? It, absolutely right because like mm-hmm. it's I, I think everyone Marquez is a good example and we keep bringing him up but it's because he's a great example of this like <laughs> he makes it look easy and as you and I know it's not like mm-hmm. you say you can be having as I did a couple weeks ago I was having a really bad day dude um, we are all operating at really high stress levels right now in this period in history it's it's not a fun time to try to juggle a lot of balls that are going wrong um, so, but but when you roll the camera you can't you have to be there in the capacity that you're choosing to be there, whether it's entertainer or reviewer or whatever, you're doing the job. And part of the job is you don't, you leave that at the door or you leave that on the other side of hitting the, the button to start rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the nice things I did. I did inherit from theater. And I think maybe you had a similar rule when you were performing as well. Like yeah. we didn't even bring it in the building. We would mm. stop outside. Like we're people who were really serious about it. Like I was too serious about it. I'd stop outside <laughs> the door I smoked at the time probably, so I was having a cigarette, and I'm like, I'm going to leave all the stress I'm carrying with me outside because I cannot bring it into the rehearsal space because not only will it screw me up, it screws up everybody I'm working with, right? Totally. Yeah, I would look in the mirror before a show, and I would speak to myself, and I'd say, you're happy, you're magic, you're happy, you're magic. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly, man. Water off a duck's back. That's right. Yeah. That's right. right. But yeah, I think – I've, I mean, I've thought about doing like a course or something because I think it's it's something that's overlooked in the YouTube space is that this is a performance art. We're we are on camera performing just like any other actor, <clears throat> and um, definitely, you know, the, there is this kind of weird blend that people have with the whole influencer thing, where it's like I'm just kind of vlogging and filming myself, be myself, but you look at anybody who's on top of the game in in the influencer world they are turning it on like hardcore. I mean, like crazy, Uh, especially for the young, the young, the younglings out there. I mean, the energy, (laughs) the energy level that a lot of these 
influencers have is through the roof. And sometimes that is genuine. Uh, I'm good friends with Justine. I Justine, and she is yeah, one of the most great. talented, most kind, and seriously, she is actually that sweet and amazing in real life too so like, yeah can um, can confirm we were doing a, like a bmw thing uh, last summer or something like that and i was like which was the first time i was able to talk to her for a while and i was like you you are remarkably easy to talk to you're just a <laughs> cool person to hang with like what a what a what a cool person exactly so you have a lot of people like that but you know for me i think unfortunately if you <laughs> meet me in real life i am believe it or not, sometimes a little bit introverted. And when I turn on, I have to really turn it on, uh, which is surprising to some people. But I've found a lot of people are yeah. kind of like that when I've met YouTubers in real life. <laughs> that is very true. I, I, I'm not as introverted as I used to be. What I am, though, is more crass in person. Like, <laughs> you know, the Mr. Mobile scripts, as I said, they go through five layers of refinement and I try to make them okay for kids, even though they're not always great for kids. And it's like, it's a much more I, I feel like Alex Trebek in a lot of in a lot of ways, because uh -huh. I feel like he definitely <laughs> turns on the like uh, stern librarian personality for Jeopardy. But, you know, I, there's plenty of stories of him off camera being like kind of irritable and crotchety sometimes just swearing <laughs> a lot, which I love. And that's what I do. Like I am I am short. I'm, I can be rather I can be yeah. short and tense and I do swear a ton. So it's <laughs> it's funny. I think people are kind of taken <laughs> uh, are, are, are a little surprised when I talk in public i'm like oh i'm sorry i'm swearing well, I mean, like a sailor Excuse you are me. yeah you are wearing a tie in your profile picture so you have this image of like a <laughs> clean know. cut you know nice and put together yeah. <laughs> we built Can that we very very intentionally the mr mobile aesthetic with the vests and the ties and stuff yeah that's oh, very really? much a costume shop kind of thing yeah oh, really i didn't know it's that. Not that i mean, don't it like that stuff yeah, no, it's like it, it, it basically I wore that stuff in high school. I was just I, I was just insufferable because I was like, I'm going to wear what I like and I don't care what people think, even though I desperately cared what people thought. So I don't know why I did it. Maybe I was just stubborn. But I was like, well, now I'm old enough. And now the nerds have taken over the planet, which I really could never have hoped wished for in high school. I never would have thought that would have happened. So yeah, now that we, I really can do what I want. Yeah, we're going to I'm going to wear a freaking vest in every video when we first started because I like vests. But yeah, do it's you, just, yeah. Do you genuinely have a thing for uh, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., or is it just kind of a thing that like everybody just says it, and so you kind of embrace it? Uh, everybody says it. I love that. And when it, if somebody compares you to Robert Downey Jr. and you get bent out of shape about it, like what kind of jerk must you be? I love it. I uh, you know, but I wasn't aware of Iron Man. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen any Marvel films when it started happening in 2012. Really? And that's yeah. when I got together with my girlfriend, who who is a super Marvel fan. And I was like, Oh no, Can you show me Iron Man. And so it was great because yeah, <laughs> I said oh, no because uh, I was, was like, Wait, she didn't get with you because. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no I, don't, I mean subconsciously i don't know i've never asked her but, <laughs> but you no know, that culminated in the weirdest bit of world blending ever and not a lot of people know this because i don't like talking about it but um the, robert downer jr was shooting the film the judge in uh -huh. massachusetts in like the summer of 2015 around maybe and they needed photo doubles and i was still in the role of boston casting at the time uh -huh. And they called me up and they were like, hey, do you want to be Robert Downey Jr.'s photo double oh on The Judge? And I was like, um, yes, I do. I, I will do that, even though that's wow. essentially being a glorified extra and being an extra is the worst thing ever for me. I just really hated it. But it was really fun to do that for a that, day. And that one never scenario. Again. <laughs> It exactly. didn't. It didn't hurt that you have a sort of uh, similar aesthetic and look. Um 
but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I when you kind of get in costume or in character of it, I see it for sure. Part of the impression is the performance, not the the look. There's some great impressionists who don't look like that person at all, but it's just the you know uh, the way you speak or the way you move. But I guess you do kind of favor Robert Downey Jr. a bit for sure. Well, you know what's interesting? <laughs> Tell me thing. if this is true for you, because uh, I will look at my videos and I will you know my old videos and I will realize at that time. I was watching, I was rewatching the newsroom and all of a sudden I sound like, you know, Will McAvoy because I'm all <laughs> officious for six videos in a row. And yeah. then I'll watch, I'll watch the first wind phones were fun. I'm like, yep, I definitely just came off a bender of three days of watching LGR because I sound like Clint. <laughs> um, you know, it bleeds yeah. in. It's like when I write, you know, the, the last novel I read um, uh-huh. definitely bleeds into my writing style. So does that happen to you too? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, I'm like you though. I don't watch a lot of YouTube, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> word. But yeah, I think the way I don't want to get too in, into this because I don't want to be mean. But I think the way a lot of tech reviewers talk, we all kind of sound the same, and like we yeah. kind of have this like. There's always this like perplexing like, you know, you know the the iPhone. It, it just, you know, it, it's just, like people are so perplexed about these phones. I'm like, hey, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> right. Sure. And yeah, you have to. And, and, and some of that is a byproduct of the way you shoot. Right. Because you're like, well, how much rehearsal did you do on this yeah. take? And it's like not much. So you kind of have to like stutter your way into it, which I've done a billion times. I get it. I yeah, get no, it. No, but no. I, I know what you mean. It's become a trope of the category. Yeah, it's a trope for sure. And I can just, yeah, same thing. Like I was shooting a video yesterday and we didn't script it. And when I was talking, I found myself having these pauses in, in ways that don't feel natural, but it comes off good. You know, like that kind of thing yeah. that like a, a news reporter would do. And it sounds like people yes. don't talk like this and only tech reviewers talk like this. And it's because my brain is having to figure out the words I'm saying out of my mouth at the same time. So it's, <laughs> it is hard to do it, but, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's almost like, in a way, it it reminds me of of the actors on Star Trek, my absolute favorite show of all time, as you know. Yes. Um, talking about how memorizing all the techno babble they had to talk about on the ships uh, oh. was akin to doing Shakespeare, and a lot of Trek actors come from a Shakespearean background because. Wow. The, the wordplay is unfamiliar, but it is highly stylized. So when you do get a handle on it and it takes a lot of training, you really can deliver it better with, uh, with a Shakespeare background than uh, a lot of other people can. Interesting. And I feel like that's true of tech too, man. Like if you've, you've got to do it for a while and you have to have a background in it um, to, to really sell it uh, properly. Yeah, I've heard interviews with Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, and they were just like on the first Star Wars movie, like George, what do you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> go Wait, what kind of glee club to... is this again? Yeah. <laughs> Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. You know, uh, yeah, what's a power uh, converter? Why is a power converter something fun that I would want? To... You know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. But yeah, if you're not familiar with uh, Michael's uh, affection towards Star Trek, just go on his Instagram page, scroll down a little bit, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and it's you, never far. You've got some great costumes as well that come into the show every once in a while too, which is great. And we'd love sitting to sitting right see... next to all of them in the closet right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> do you have any? You don't have any Star Trek aspect of your career, or you don't do a Star Trek fan show, or have you thought about it? I'm sure you have. No, yeah, I have thought about it. Big shout out to Trek FM though, because they were the first ones to. I, that was the first podcast I was ever on was Trek FM, and mm. that was back in 2012. I did a bunch of episodes with them, great people. Um, but when it, when tech took over everything, I didn't have any time for anything else anymore. And frankly, 
there are things in your life that you don't want to make work, right? You're like, (laughs) look, I do this for enjoyment. I don't want to be watching a Star Trek episode and have a part of my brain devoted to taking notes on something I have to write or talk about related to it because it's a job. I I just want to enjoy it. It's my number one love in the, in the entertainment space. So not going to make a job out of it that it you know that may change in the future but that's where I'm, <laughs> i am right now it is hard when you have that youtube brain though and you've seen success in it and you're like okay well I, i'm noticing <laughs> that all the people on youtube that talk about it i could do that maybe if not better <laughs> so it's like yes you see i mean you see all the is, potential yeah, yeah there's <laughs> the one way i could do it man now that when phones were fun actually works um I might start a, a little YouTube channel rev- re-reviewing old Playmates Star Trek toys from the 90s. That's kind of uh-huh. – a couple of people do that already, and they do a good job, but I, I would like to do it. So maybe, okay. yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah, I just we'll started, see if I get some time. I just started picking up the guitar again during this whole uh, shut-in thing. I haven't played in 15 years, and I've just fallen in love with wow. it. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. What a my, great thing to rediscover, dude. Yeah, my 30th birthday is in a couple of weeks, so I bought myself uh, a present. I got two. I got a Les Paul and a uh, like an EVH uh, shred machine, so I'm going to be oh. learning how to play like Eddie Van Halen, which I'm really excited about. But, um... Dude, yes. <laughs> you, oh, man. Talk to Hayato Huseman at Android Central if you don't already. Okay. You guys should know each other on Twitter. Like He's he's a prog rock guy, so I don't know if you guys have the same oh, musical okay. taste, but he plays guitar bit. all the time. And it's yeah, it's awesome. And I don't want to. Yeah, I, I've been seeing these guitar YouTubers out there, and th- it's it is frustrating because the camera review space is a lot smaller niche than uh, the tech space that you're in, and then also the guitar space. Is it? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, like the. See, I just did it. The, you know, that kind of <laughs> yeah, like. Well, I, you know, it's. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, the camera industry. Uh, this is a whole nother topic, and not related to you at all. But it is interesting, like. The camera industry is sort of being uh, taken over by the tech, the 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 mobile phone uh, space because yeah. a lot of a lot of your prosumer uh, kind of you know bottom line cameras, which often drive most of your views or sales, are those cheaper five hundred dollar uh, cameras like the Canon M fifty or the Sony A sixty three hundred or that kind of yep. uh, lower prosumer end that is continually getting. Uh, you know, eclipsed by the power of the phones. I mean, the new Sony Xperia Mobile that I know you've reviewed, like the image quality. Yeah, the one on mark that, too. The photo quality on that is incredible, and you, you have all the same autofocus technology that you see on Sony bodies built into the yeah. into the phone. I mean, imagine where we're going to be in the next you know five to ten years with that type of technology. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible, and. I've noticed that the camera companies like Canon, Sony, even Sony, which is funny because they're they're in the mobile phone world (laughs) too, but they haven't implemented this incredible thing that's been happening over the last couple years with machine learning and, um, you know, computational photography. It's just... I want right. to, I want computational photography in a real camera. Like, give me a four thousand dollar full frame body with computational photography built into it, and now you're talking like that's some serious stuff. And one hundred percent. I feel, like, I feel yeah. like the camera companies have to do something about it. And unfortunately, the difference is uh, Apple has billions of dollars they're making on the phone, so they can spend you know, millions, if not billions of dollars uh, on the R&D in these camera companies. The camera companies are not, they don't have those type of margins at all. Um, So 
You I are don't know. correct, man. I've never thought about that element of it from the from the business perspective. But as a user, man, I got to tell you, I've been thinking about it a lot this past year. Uh, every interaction I have with um, with buying a new accessory for my camera, I shoot on the A7S II. Mm. Uh, every every interaction I have with the camera world, I uh, frankly, dude, I hate. Um, it's, I have to buy a new monitor and it's like, okay, well, this small HD monitor is the only one that'll work because it's bright enough and it's the right size and it's whatever. It'll last longer on the battery than the last one did, but it costs $800 or it costs a thousand dollars. And I'm like, wait, j- j- to be clear, this is a monitor, right? Okay. I'm paying for it. Well, it doesn't come with a bracket. Okay. Well, I'll get the bracket and the bracket doesn't freely rotate. So you have to decide what part to put on. Okay. And the HDMI cable that connects it to the camera breaks a lot and that's expensive too. So by the time I've spent all this money, you know, and then I, and then just to what, to get a shot that takes me six times as long and is not really as good because, and this is on me, dude, user, like I'm a, I'm a error, trial and error learner on the camera. So I'm not, sure. not very good at them. But dude, it, like, it'll take me six times as long as something I could crank out with the iPhone 11 Pro Max in 30 seconds. And it would look better on the iPhone because again, Dynamic I'm not as good as and, yeah. you or anybody else. But you know, it's, yeah, it's user error plus though the computational photography aspect and just the like, hey, this thing is built for uh, run and gun shooting and that's the style I like to shoot in. So yeah. it's amazing to me. I really hope the camera world continues to wake up. It looks like they're, I, 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 I do not well, foresee a bright future for any camera company that doesn't realize what's happening here. I've, I can just tell you from, you know, in the way that you're in tune with the the phone in tech space, I'm in tune with what's going on in the camera world. Uh, the it. one thing that cameras have over mobile phones is ergonomics. You get a grip, you get uh, tactical, you know, real buttons that actually sure. are designed for photography. It's the right tool for the right job. Like, and when you're shooting on a phone, the best camera is usually the one on the back. And when you shoot on that, you can't see yourself. So that's a problem. Yes. Unless you use an Apple watch. I use an Apple watch and then attach it to the phone and go to the camera mode Very nice. so you can actually have like a selfie screen on the back with your apple watch which is a lot of people don't think about that. That's but. <laughs> very smart. You are correct. Serenity Caldwell used to do that at iMore, and I forgot oh, really? that trick. Good call. Yes. <laughs> and it's gotten better, too, with the newer Apple Watches, too. So, Because um, there was a bit of a oh, latency right, issue. You, I think even Filmic oh. Pro has an app now, too, that you can do it, too, on your watch, I think. Don't oh, quote me on it. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I, oh, that's cool. the thing that... I've seen is that they're going higher end. They're kind of like, okay, you know what? Yeah, mobile phone is taking over the lower end. So let's just make more higher end stuff to make more money from the pros. Kind of the Mac Pro approach, which is like, we'll, sure. tra- we'll charge $4,000 for this new Canon R5. You know, it shoots 8K and uh, overheats after 20 minutes, but nobody cares because <laughs> it shoots 8K. And, uh, right. <laughs> you know, that's the, it seems like that's their strategy is just go higher. And I, I think yeah. there's only a matter of time where that'll just burn out and, uh, you know, you won't, you'll have these niche, these niche, like Canon will become a niche company, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the phone manufacturers are not slowing down while you have Google and Apple doing the computational photography thing, Google much more so, uh, doing the computational photography development. Yeah. You have companies out there like Vivo literally putting a gimbal into their camera module. I have, what just got in the V50, X50 and you know, you can run with that. David Kogan at the Unlockers, literally running down the street, filming with that thing, and that you cannot tell it's being shot with, with a phone and not a camera on a cage. On a, excuse me, on a uh, Steadicam. You know. Yeah. What's that called? The Vivo, V I V O. Yeah. Yep. Vivo makes it, and it's the X fifty, I believe. Um, it just came oh. out. It's like a couple days old. Cool. That 
We really dated this yeah. podcast with that one. It's like, oh, that was oof. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined. I'm breaking the fourth wall. I'm ruining the freeze frame. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, we're we're coming up. I mean, we've been talking now for an hour. So thank you for your time. We do have a couple of Twitter of questions. Is it okay if we run through those real fast before we close? Up? Absolutely. Let let's hit them. I'm actually I'm good on time. So let's okay. do it. Renee Ritchie asks a mutual friend of ours, <laughs> who of course you're good friends with. Uh, he asked two questions. Number one, what is his best tip for getting that famous ultra creamy B-roll? And number two, (laughs) in the mirror universe, was it Palm or Windows Phone with a goatee, of course, that won? (laughs) Rene Ritchie is not only uh, the hardest working, one of the hardest working creators I know, but also the one who also finds time to watch everyone else's stuff and then positively pat everyone on the back. What a freaking great dude. Rene, I love hearing from you all the time. I I wish I could be half as good a member of the community as you. Um, yeah. Okay. So the, 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 the B-roll tip, um, for me, and this uh-huh. is not the way to do it. Uh, it's <laughs> it just dump all your time into it. Cause it takes me <laughs> so many takes to get a take that I like. Uh-huh. But if I just sat down and learned how to use my camera better, um, I could, I could be much more efficient. So, but if you, but the real tip is just shoot it until you are satisfied. Try not to settle. Mm. Um, to steal a line from OnePlus. Never settle. As for the Palm Windows Phone thing, I think the Mirror Universe is definitely dominated by Windows Phones because in the Mirror Universe, Microsoft never stopped being evil uh, after the 90s. So uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely dominated by Windows Phones with with goatees everywhere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use a like a slider gimbal? Are you tripod guy? What's kind of your go-to tool to, to get your B-roll? I use a Manfrotto uh, tripod, a similar one to everybody else, a nice fluid head. And then when I want slider shots, I have an Edelkron uh, yeah. Slider Pro Plus, I think it is. Yeah. And, um, I just got that it's, to review. It's wonderful. The, the V5 just oh, came you? out, and I'm reviewing that one. It's oh, great. good. It's so great. It's time for me to upgrade. I, I feel bad. I kind of gave them some crap on Twitter because they're they, it broke a number of times after I bought it. And I, I kind oh, of – I, I kind of got snippy about it, and I, I feel badly about it because I that thing has really been a champ. It got repaired twice, but after the second time, it it has served me very well, despite the fact that I continue to um, abuse it. You ever do that <laughs> really amateur thing where you set a slider? Have you have you do you work with motorized sliders a lot? I I have in the past. I don't use a slider currently. I am. They sent me one to review. I must be upfront and disclose this information. Um, sure. <laughs> they did send yeah. it to me. So I am playing with the new one. Uh, this is not a review. This is just me talking about it. <laughs> but, Word. Word. Uh, yeah. So well, I have used it before. Yeah. So. Well, pro tip uh, for anyone out there who's new to, to the motorized slider, make sure you check with the actual range of motion the slider is going to perform automatically before <laughs> you start the move, walk away, and then hear the entire camera assembly and slider clatter to the ground because you didn't balance the tripod properly. <laughs> I've done that in double, like more than 10 times, and this thing is yeah. still trucking. So thanks, Edel Crown. <laughs> <laughs> pro tip, get a light stand and put it on the other end of the, uh, of, of the slider to help... Because one oh, one tripod yeah. can be a little, it's not the most sturdy. And the Edelkron slider, or Edelkron, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but um, Ooh, their sliders, either. like, they move with the move. It's hard to see. You kind of have to see it. It's like an engineering marvel, really, the way that it, it really is. It yeah, slides. It, it moves it makes more your brain than you hurt. think it should be able to. Yeah. It's, 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 like, the, a, a great it's like the moonwalk of uh, sliders, in a way. It's like <laughs> a moonwalking or something. It's really weird well how it works, but because yeah. of that, you can get 
uh, a weight shift when the slide happens, which can cause your, your tripod to collapse. And then all of your mm-hmm. expensive equipment gets smashed on the ground. So <laughs> what I love is seeing how far the batteries can go. Cause they all fly off and they go like 20 feet when the thing falls <laughs> over. It's real, it's real nice. Totally. Um, uh, Sharon at 24 X techie says, is there any chance that Mr. Mobile will come back to a weekly podcast of his own? I started hearing podcasts all because of him. (laughs) Oh, geez. That's so nice to hear. I love that because podcasting is what got me into the tech journalism space or the, what be, what made me aware it's something I might like to do. Cause I used to listen to the old Engadget mobile podcast back when all the, before all the verge folks left the Engadget to form the verge. So, yeah. um, I love podcasting. I did the pocket now weekly for five years or something or four years. Oh. I loved it. Um, I would love to do it again. It is just, as you know, Dave, it's time intensive. Yeah. And if you're not willing to put the time into making a good show, then you shouldn't do it. And yeah. so I haven't yet. Cause I don't have the time. Well, if you find a good co-host that does all the work for you and then all you have to do is just kind of <laughs> respond, like they set it up for you, they throw the ball and you just you just knock it. Um, yeah. They do all the well, research. Then, perfect. then that'd be perfect. Yeah, just find a co-host. Make Dave do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, find some poor sap. It's yeah. like in uh, sixth grade when you didn't want to do the group project but the, uh, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> the teacher's pet would. Um, Ricardo Mori asks, is there something about today's tech world that you particularly dislike? If so, how would you like things to be? I don't like the tribalism of it all. I don't like that I can't run a review of a product without knowing that whether if it's an iPhone, um, a bunch of Android people are going to show up and say, this is crap. And here's what you can get for $800 less. Uh, I don't like the emphasis on specs. I don't like the small mindedness. I don't like the kind of 13 year oldiness of of the uh, the culture of the that the comments can be. That's what I would change. That's the thing I sort of combat as much as I can to the point of even when you do a comparison, you know, it's I don't know if you do camera comparisons, but mm-hmm. in the mobile phone world, they're very, very common. I try to do them as infrequently as possible. And then when I do, I try and make a point of the, at the end saying, look, um, one is not usually not just arbitrarily or excuse me, uh, objectively better than the other. Yeah. One is just a better fit for you if you're a different kind of person. So keep that in mind before you get into fights in the comments. But then the fights happen anyway. <laughs> totally it was really surreal to hear you say all that because it sounded like your video like you kind of went into it uh <laughs> and i was like Thanks. wait a minute this is kind of like meta like i'm listening to a mr mobile video right now um that's the great thing about podcasts is like this is so weird the guy i listen to on youtube is talking back to me it's so strange yeah um, i felt that way when i was first on twit and i was like oh leo laporte is talking to me uh, yes. that's interesting Dude, oh my gosh, Leo Laporte! Round of applause for that guy. He has been around forever. Yeah, I listen to Mac Break. Uh, still, I still listen to it every week. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Renee has been, you know, incredible on that as well for all these years. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shimi Zach asks, "What advice would he give if he met his twenty-year-old self?" Oh yeah, I saw this one in the pre-show. I was like, "Oof, boy, that's a tough one." I, I uh, you know. Uh, it's so hard, right? Because you don't want to vilify your past self because sometimes you ever find yourself apologizing for stuff where you're like, I'm just kind of apologizing because I didn't mean to make someone feel bad, but I wasn't trying to be vicious about it. Sure. I, here's the thing. You know, when you're 20, if you're like me, maybe not 20, maybe 18 or 19, there was like a year there where I kind of screwed everything up. I wasn't doing anything right, mm. you know, from speeding tickets to grades to uh, college application process. I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. And if you're in one of those 
ruts past self or hypothetical listener, um, understand that it does pass, particularly, and it is a byproduct of the fact that you are young and a lot is changing around you. Um, so don't take it, don't give yourself too much hassle for it. Don't get stuck in your own self-loathing about it, but also recognize when you're being a jerk to other people and own up to it and um, be better about that because nobody deserves that. Totally. So that's what I would say. Well, I think that's a great segue into kind of my final question uh, that we like to end the podcast with. And that is really just anybody who's inspired by you um, that, you know, myself included, what, what are some just words of advice, that, you know, some things that you've learned over the years, uh, things that you wish you maybe didn't do or, or kind of cautionary tales to other people? What's kind of your closing thoughts that you want to leave with people who are inspired by what you do? The thing I always come back to when I think of this question is um, having to preface it with with this. Like I have, I've, as I've told you several times over the past hour, um, have been the beneficiary of good timing, of um, dumb luck, and of you know, frankly, privilege because I've I've grown up you know with a lot of things set up for me. Even though I've had to work hard for them, I've I've sort of gotten a head start over some other folks because of various factors that are the realities of life in America in 2020. Um, but nothing I have ever done and been proud of has just happened without the application of an awful, awful lot of work. Um, and there's a there was a wonderful quote that my mother taped to the refrigerator growing up, which was, was really great. It's like, sometimes success comes overnight, but more often it is the prize earned by stubborn commitment and a defiant refusal to settle for less. And I thought that was a pretty good quote. And I found out later it came from like People magazine or somewhere, just strangely, <laughs> uh, strangely, um, you know, like. superficial. Yeah, I was like, huh, interesting. Um, but it is, it's a great quote. And I, I would say that if you want to do something, you should try to do it. But understand that doing it well will more often than not require much more work than you think. And that work can be really hard. And sometimes it can be really demoralizing. But if you can get through that and continue doing that hard work, the rewards are are tremendous and wonderful. And so I encourage anyone to do what they want to do and work as hard as they can at it without burning themselves out. Absolutely. I can't agree more. And I had a couple, I mean, the way that we met was because of some of the parodies that I did. And those, those didn't perform, yeah. those didn't perform the way I was expecting on YouTube. I was really hoping that they would do well. And they really didn't compare to just a Mavic Air review. Um, like yeah. <laughs> my gear, my gear guy video on YouTube has 30,000 views. It took me six months to make. I spent $5,000 of my own money to make it. And it got, oh, and dude. then I made my Mavic Air 2 review and then within a day, it got 60,000 views. So I'm like, okay, facepalm. Yeah. Uh, I, yep. I did three parodies back to back to back to kind of do this test. They worked on TikTok, but I don't really want to be a TikToker. And <laughs> I just realized, like, why am I doing this? I'm an artist. I enjoyed making these pieces. So sometimes success may not be in the numbers or the money. It's really about, right, like like looking at what you do and what you respect and and making something that you're proud of and I'm proud of those pieces and nobody can take oh, that from yeah. me. And to me, that's success, right? You are a hundred percent right. And I, I thank you for saying it because there's a particular video on my dad's on my channel that we really worked our asses off on. Sorry. I don't know if I can swear, but I did. Oh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and we, we really did. We, we, we made 
what I thought was a great video and it didn't, it really, it just cratered, man. Nobody watched it. And it sucks. It, it sucks to see that kind of hard work not recognized. But when, when you look at it in the context that you just put it, I mean, that's a healthy way to look at it, man. You just, you made something that you are proud of and it's out there in the world. And that's, what more can you ask for? You know, you're, you're, you're happy with the work you put out. That's great. Exactly. Well, anyways, everybody, go check out Mr. Mobile on uh, Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram. Um, definitely check him out on YouTube if you have not already. Of course, everything will be linked in the show notes. Michael Fisher, thank you thank so much. You. It was such a pleasure having you on. And uh, this was our first real conversation, actually, other than just talking on Twitter. So it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. And it just kind of happens so easily because we've listened to each other in the past. So there were no surprises there, which is really great. <laughs> and thanks for getting in touch, too, man. I, I saw I think it was one of those TikToks or one of those parodies that I really uh, that was my first exposure to you. And I was like, this guy's man, this guy's hilarious. Why is why have I never heard of him before? And it was just it was thanks great. So. so I I wouldn't I would ask you to keep doing those experiments because uh they bring a lot of us a lot of joy when I do watch YouTube, which is never. But on, every so often, uh, I re it's, it's really nice to do so. Well, thank you. That's certainly flattering. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk soon. And, you know. I look forward to it. Stay crispy or stay. Uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, stay mobile, my friend. That's, that's, it. that's <laughs> There it is. That's the sign off you're looking for. Hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Michael Fisher from Mr. Mobile. I want to thank Michael again for taking the time to be on this podcast. It was a real pleasure for me to interview him. Again, I am a super fan of his, so it was a little surreal to interview him. Again, thank you guys for listening to the Golden Hour Podcast every single week. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This has been a Polar Pro Studio production. We'll see you next week.